Hello and welcome to episode number 119 of The Heart of Teaching. I'm Nathan Rivers, and today's episode is entitled The Lion, Michael Couture. If you know anybody in the community that's making a difference, send us a DM on Instagram. We'll shout them out in an upcoming episode and explain their impact on the community. This week, we'd like to recognize Mr. John Spangers for his years of teaching and coaching at St. Thomas More Collegiate in Burnaby, B.C. Thank you for your dedication, determination, and your years of service. And we would also like to recognize and thank the listening platform Feedspot for their continued support and highly recommend them for all your podcast needs. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. The link to do so is available in the episode description. The Heart of Teaching proudly supports Mom Stop the Harm. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to The Heart of Teaching. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my producer and great friend Nathan Rivers, and thanks so much for joining us today. In this episode, I have a conversation with Michael Couture, who is suiting up for the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League this season. Now, he's a local boy who attended Centennial High School in Coquitlam, and then he moved on to Simon Fraser University to play his college ball. Now, after an outstanding college career, the six foot four, 300-pound offensive lineman was drafted in the second round, 10th overall, in the 2016 CFL entry draft by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, during his time there in Winnipeg, he won two Grey Cup rings. Now, in this offseason, he's coming home after signing with BC, the Lions, as a free agent. We talk about his journey and the lessons he learned along the way. So as always, please sit back, relax, and enjoy. There we are. We're recording. We're live. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that was easy. Um, <laughs> talk about your life. Talk, talk about your history and where you began and uh, all the cu- cool things that go along with that. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll mainly stick with the football journey um, for this, but uh, I started playing in the third grade. Um, when I was seven, uh, my parents divorced and after they split, uh, my dad was, you know, concerned about my mental well-being with, with, uh, with the split. And so he wanted to get me into some sort of sport. Um, I didn't really have an interest in playing football too much, but he, it was something that he, he wanted me to try out. Um, he was living in North Van at the time. Um, so he signed me up for Pee Wee um, in the GSL, which is just in Norgate Park there. And uh, I remember my first practice ever. We were late. It was pouring rain. And uh, we showed up. And back then, I, I already had my pads strapped up when I was sitting in the truck. And uh, we pulled up to the to the field, and they were doing – this drill is not allowed anymore, but it was called Bull in the Ring. Yeah. I'm sure you know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, – <laughs> I, I turned and looked at my dad and I was, he could tell I didn't want to get out of the truck. And I said, I don't want, I don't want to get out of the truck. And, uh, his words were, well, I paid for the registration. So you're trying it. And, uh, off I went. And so it was an adjustment for sure. Um, into football, but I grew to love it. So I played two years, uh, my two PU years in the GSL. Um, and then were my you, mom's of, I'm sorry, sorry. were you big back then? Because I mean, you're you're massive now. So were you a big kid? 
Um, yeah, I was. I remember I needed a bigger helmet than than the other kids. They kind of. I don't remember honestly if it was like a if it was just strictly by age, but they weighed me, and I remember seeing the coaches kind of look at each other like, like what team gets gets this kid, kind of thing. <laughs> First round yeah. draft pick. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I had a good good two years there. Um, I was coached by uh, Kevin Konar, was my first ever uh, coach, the BC Lion, great, and Adam Konar, who's uh, now playing for the Elks, uh, he was our quarterback, and so it's it's it, that was a full circle kind of moment to to play against uh, Adam these last couple of years in the CFL, knowing that you know he was part of the team that I first played on back when I was like eight years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then from there, I my mom was living in Burnaby at the time, so I was back and forth from North Van and Burnaby. Um, and I had a couple of friends from school that were playing for Coquitlam Minor. And so um, at that point, I had switched to play Junior Bantam in Coquitlam. Um, I had a fantastic time throughout my years with Coquitlam. We won a, a provincial championship in 2009 against Abbotsford. Um yeah, so for me though, when I um, was entered, like leaving my my bantam years, is when I really kind of um, wanted to level up and and you know shoot to play university. So um, one of my best friends, his name is Michael Spencer. Um, he had this idea because Centennial had won both junior varsity and the varsity championships that year as well, I believe it was 2009 or 2010. Right. Um, but that would be the program that uh, that we should go play for. And so looking back, you know, I, I went for lunch with, with him last week and uh, I just thanked him for, for pushing me during that point in my life because that was one of the hardest decisions still that I've ever had to make. Really? I had a really, really good group of friends at my first high school uh, Burnaby Mountain. Yeah. And I, I was, I was afraid of the change. I think a part of me knew that it needed to happen, but I kind of needed a bit of a push in the back to actually do it. Um, cause I was afraid I was going to lose all my friends. And to me at that time, those, those are my guys. Right. So I didn't, I didn't want to think about potentially hanging out with them less or, or getting out of my comfort zone. But, um, you know, growth comes just outside of your comfort zone. So, um, I made the move, which was, which was tough at the time. It ended up being one of the best things I could have done because, you know, I, I, um, you know, everything about football just increased for me, um, moving forward, like lifting weights, taking techniques seriously, watching film the whole bit. Like I just 11 and like, uh, 2011, 2012 is when I really kind of fell in love with the process. Um, which is something that still drives me today. Um, I feel like I know I'll be done playing this game when I don't, when I no longer enjoy, you know, what it takes to prep for a, for a football season. Yeah. How, excuse me. How old were you when you, uh, when you moved to Centennial? What grades were you in? Uh, so I was only at Centennial for 11 and 12. Okay. So it was the summer going into 11. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
I put on about <laughs> never touching a weight before the tenth grade. Uh, going into grade eleven, I put on about thirty five pounds. Wow. Um. Yeah, I was I was relatively tall at that point as well, so I just kind of got a little bit wider. Um. Yeah, and I had a fantastic two years at Centennial. Unfortunately, we lost my senior year. I believe it was quarters or the semis out at UBC against STM. I still think about that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, I remember that day. game. I was, I was yeah. at STM, right? And so yeah. it's like, yeah, I remember. And I remember who you were. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, throughout those years, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of second half of my senior season. I was starting to get uh, some interest from some schools. I know the first school I ever um, heard from was Mount Allison out east. And, uh, you know, from there, I had a number of CIS schools and, uh, and then SFU. And so to me, it came down to uh, SFU and, and UBC. Um, just kind of wanted to stick home and save some money that way and ended up choosing SFU. Just I, I lived at the base of Burnaby Mountain. So I, it was actually a, a quicker drive for me to get to SFU than it was to drive to high school. Um, so that mixed with playing in the NCAA um, get to go against American competition and it's a great school. Um, made that choice and yeah. So when you got, uh, when you finished your career up at SFU, what, um, what round did you get drafted in, in the, the CFL draft? I was the first pick of the second round. So it was, um, Winnipeg had back to back picks Yeah, and we went with Trent Corney, defensive oh, end out oh. of Virginia. And then I was the, uh, the next pick after that did you uh did you find the whole process of the cfl draft and, and all of that stuff did you find that pretty exciting like for a for a local kid to you know get dropped and play pro ball was that a, a really big thing for you i guess for the family and everything yeah for sure um you know we had cfl scouts that would come to our practice our practices and, and a number of games and stuff so that's when i kind of really it really kind of started to hit me and then i was you know, teams would send out their pre-draft like information documents and surveys and all that kind of stuff. And then I got, I forget when exactly it was. I think it was shortly after my senior season that I got invited to the combine. And so there's back then there was three regional combines and then the one main uh, invitational in Toronto. And so I got um, invited to the one in Toronto. That was a, a really cool process being able to train um locally for that and then you know suit up and and go to toronto for the three-day event and uh i tested well i interviewed with eight out of the nine um cfl teams some interviews were good some of them were awful what just they, pure what do they say to you like if they if they've got a a young canadian in there like when you say the interview process what kind of questions are they asking you I got a, I got a number of things. Toronto is notorious for uh, trying to grill guys on um, like, oh, like, are you a big drinker? Do you smoke? Trying to get guys nervous. Really? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Just to see, it's more just to see how how guys react. If guys get red in the face, if they start to stutter, just like being under pressure like that, and they'll have their whole staff in, in a in a boardroom in the hotel. So. Um, but one team asked me, 
you know, a, a lot of teams will, will give you a pen and they'll have a big, uh, like a whiteboard or something. They'll, they'll want you to draw up protections or run blocks or whatever else. But some of them are, are strictly just trying to get to know you as a person. So I've had teams ask me, like, uh, about my upbringing, if I have siblings, if I have a partner, if I'm afraid of moving away from home. That was honestly a big one because they knew I'm from BC and I played, you know, high school and, and university in BC. Yeah. They said, are you going to be okay moving away from home? Um, I had one coach ask me what my definition of success was. That was my first interview, and that was the first question, and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so I stumbled I stumbled my way through the que- or through an answer, and then he kind of looked at me and said, uh, you know what, I think this is what the, the definition is. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm probably not getting drafted by this team. What was the uh, – so, when you were – so Winnipeg, what were the questions like with the with the Bombers? How they how'd that go? They were probably my my – I wouldn't say easiest, but most relaxed interview that I had. Um, they they asked a couple of things about like football IQ, um, like numbering systems and protections and and stuff like that, and um, asked if I had a girlfriend, um, would I be okay with moving away from home? And then a cool thing that I've that I've heard from a couple of guys is that uh, Mike O'Shea, the head coach, they had they had film set up. They had my um, some film from from my days at SFU yeah. and they would kind of go through and ask me what my mindset was on each play and they pulled some some clips from my highlight tape where I'm you know pancaking some guys and they yeah. kind of would just would play it and stop it and I'm like splashed over top of a guy and they would just turn their head and look at me and kind of smile and nod and I'm like okay these guys like the physicality so um, yeah it was cool it was really cool and then I had a, a whole draft uh, party at my house and back then, I don't know how it is now, but they only um, televised the first two rounds. Yeah. And so we were going through the first round, and I had about 20-something, 30-something people at my house. And I'm going, oh, no. Am I going to have to, like, hook up the laptop to the TV and yeah, yeah. try and find this out? And I ended up being, like, the second-last televised pick. So that was very cool. That was awesome. That that was that was very cool. So you're in Winnipeg. You're going there. Did you uh, you start initially? For the Bombers? No, no. So I was the opposite. So I came in and I was the sixth man my first year. So I was first backup. Yeah. And for the first three years of my career, um, I started two games. So we had a very, very solid offensive line up front and virtually no injuries happened. Um, so it wasn't the worst thing in the world for me because I came in, I was very young. I was honestly a little bit undersized and that really allowed me to develop, um, as a player and as a person, um, you know, get it really allowed me to get my feet wet when it came to training camps, getting reps, you know, throughout the, throughout the year. And then, uh, 2019 was the first time I became like a certified, uh, starter at center. Cool. Along the way, like when you were in Winnipeg and stuff, did you have any mentors, guys take you under the wings? Or was it more in the pro game? Is it more like there, because it's all about a job, right? It's about a paycheck where people are more concerned about their paycheck because if you help the rookie, you know, you may be taking their place and taking a a chunk out of their pay or were people pretty supportive? Yeah. um, I consider myself very lucky. My first year 
we had Jeff Keeping, who is a longtime center for the Toronto Argonauts. He was a, a vet signing for us in 2016. That was my rookie year. And unfortunately, in preseason, he, um, you know, something that comes along with playing offensive line, somebody fell on the side of his knee and he ended up tearing his knee up yeah. uh, really bad. So he was done for the year on that. And he fully took on like an assistant offensive line type of role with us. And when all the ones were going in practice, he had me standing on the hash where the ball was, but 20 yards back. And he said, okay, here's a script of the practice. This is what every play is. I want to hear you go through what your calls would be if you were at center. And he would give me tips on, you know, where his eyes are, where his, his hand placement would be, um, his mindset going into different plays. And so I was very, very fortunate to have him in my corner and not just brushing me off as the young rook. Yeah. Um, it ended up being his last season of football yeah. um and uh, yeah i will for, forever be grateful for for him uh taking that time out to to help a 20 22 year old me yeah. <laughs> at the time those are but you know when when you look when it's when football's all done and everyone's finished and you know you're older you look back and i think i think it's so important you know in when you've got that opportunity to help somebody right even if it is pro ball, those are the yeah. those are the good players. Those are the ones that you remember, right? Hundred percent. I'll I'll never forget that. Yeah, you're not intimidated by someone else who's coming in. It's like, okay, see if I can help this guy. It's uh, yeah. It's, it, I think that's an important thing. Because I've 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 also seen the other side of it too, where you know I'll talk to to some some um, it doesn't even have to be offensive lineman. Anybody on the team in any position, I'm like, oh, did you see we drafted this guy? Or do you see that we've signed this free agent like from the States kind of thing? Like, what do you think? And somebody, I forget who it was, somebody just immediately said, oh, F that guy or screw that guy. And I'm like, why? Like, well, like what is that? And he's like, well, he's coming to take my job. Yeah. And so every year there, there are guys that have the mindset of somebody's here to replace me and they're looking to replace me kind of thing. So if that's the motivation that somebody needs, that's, that's what's going to motivate them. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting, you know. Like again, I'm gonna go back when football's finished because, I mean, I mean, I played. I had a cup of coffee in the pros, not like you, but I I also I don't have any bad stories. I mean, there were so many good people, but you you think that that mindset where you're actually a good person that qual, you know that sort of carries through and you're gonna be successful moving forward outside of football. And you you kind of wonder the people that are like doggy dog, like this is my role, this is what I'm gonna do. You wonder when football's finished, are they gonna carry that? sort of mantra with them you know like and if they yeah. do it's not it's not going to help them you know it's not going to help them no no definitely not I, I definitely feel that football you know is very much a parallel to to life offside of or uh, like outside the field so yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting the different ways that people can go about yeah. you know being on a football team so when you've got a when you're playing pro ball and and you've got a, a coaching staff what um, what's the impact a coaching staff has on you? What kind of coaches do you respond best to? Who are those coaches? Um, guys that are that are motivators and uh, but don't do too much. You know, I, I can appreciate a player coach as well. A guy that uh, you know has been in our shoes 
Yeah. I think, um, you know, with the exception of some, you can really respect a guy who, you know, has been through the process and has seen and done the things that he's preaching to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I for sure had that in Winnipeg, um, with, with Michael Shea, he played, you know, so many years, um, and did such, had such an amazing career. And so he, to me, he was like the ultimate, uh, motivator. Um, and yeah, he just, he just knew, you know, he had a feel, he had a feel for the room, still has a feel for the room. Um, and yeah, just, just a motivator. So like you're in the pro game challenges along the way when you first started the fact that you weren't playing, I mean, did that, I know you'd said that it was good for you, but did it play on you at all? Because you're not seeing the field because some people, you know, they, that they live for being on that field, not watching this thing. How, how did yeah, you cope for, with that? For sure. One of the challenges was, um, yeah, not getting that, that game speed and the game, you know, contact, I would try my best. It's a long season, right? We play 18 regular season games. Yeah. So back then we had one padded practice a week and now it's none. Um, they might be bringing back a, a few in, in a few more in training camp, but for the most part, it's, it's just helmets um, during the year. So as a, a developing young guy, getting those quality full speed reps um, became few and far between, you know, the longer the season went. Yeah. And so it was, uh, that was definitely a challenge was, was trying to get better with technique. Um, you know, you can rep stuff in, in individual periods and whatever, but, um, once I got into a game, one of the first couple of times, whether it was by injury or if I was eventually starting, it was, you know, the game speed is a, is a whole different animal. Um, and also just honestly, the, the length of the season compared to, um, anything in college like in college we played like a max like 10 or 11 games and then going from that to you know two or three preseason 18 regular season and then up to three uh playoff games it's a lot of football it's a lot on your body so when i came in guys were um the term was the rookie wall and even coaches were mentioning it they said right around week 12 something in your body's gonna go why the hell am i still doing this and you're gonna question why (laughs) You're still like, do I really like football this much? Yeah. And sure enough, it was like week 12 or week 13, my first year, like my back was tighter every day. I just couldn't get enough sleep. And it was just like, holy smokes, this is now really a job. But yeah. that, I mean, with time that, that goes away and obviously your body understands the, the length of the season and stuff, but those yeah. are definitely some challenges. Yeah. So for, for some of the listeners out there, when you're playing in Winnipeg, we've got some friends down south. The, uh, the, when you get into week 13, Temperatures aren't going to be too uh, forgiving in Winnipeg. What What's the coldest you played in? Hmm. Um, I want to say the West Final, probably two or three years ago, was about minus twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And wind chill and whatever else. And us as offensive linemen, we have this motto where you know if if we're not wearing sleeves in training camp. In May or in June, uh, we're not going to wear them, you know, in November. Oh, dude. So we're out there bare arms. <laughs> what? Like, I remember college ball. I think you you and I were talking before uh, before we went on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I played in Winnipeg college ball. And I think it was like minus 25. 
and you couldn't I couldn't layer enough clothing. To, I was playing DB, so I'm one of the, the skinny guys, right? <laughs> but you I, don't have the natural insulation that we do. <laughs> I couldn't put on. And back in the day, back in the day, they didn't have Under Armour tights and things. I I took a queen size pantyhose. That's exactly what happened. Pantyhose at the bay in Winnipeg oh, under my football man. pants and taping the helmet so the wind isn't. And I couldn't layer enough clothes to keep me so bare arms, man. I'll tell you, yeah. it's you got to be. I will say though, with technology and stuff now, we have uh, like electric heated hand warmers that go around our waist if we really need. And uh, you know, some teams have heated uh, heated shelving for our helmets too. And we got the big jumbo heaters on the sideline. But obviously, you don't have those things when you're on the field, so that's still a challenge. Yeah. So yeah. You've had a really successful career, and I mean, you're still young. You've got years ahead of you. Um, what do you attribute your success to? Like you, you're you're a gamer, you know your your attitude. We've talked off mic and stuff. What do you what do you attribute your success to? Like your your mindset and, and conditioning. Like where do you get that from? Honestly, the people like the the people around me. Um, when I came into the league, I saw how guys worked, and that was kind of just driven into me that you gotta again you gotta fall in love with the process. Um, we. You know, we have a process in, or we had a process in Winnipeg where, you know, whether we wanted to or not, we were lifting on day one and we were lifting on day three. We had, you know, sprints after practice, no matter the weather, no matter how tired or how many reps we got in practice. And, you know, down to, you know, hitting the bike after every workout. Um, mandatory film that was like voluntary mandatory kind yeah. of thing like if you're I, I threw up air quotes even though we're on the phone but if you weren't at those voluntary film sessions there was there was going to be an issue yeah kind of thing so it's just it's uh falling over the falling in love with the process and you know being um not motivated but uh what's the word i'm looking for here just being disciplined i would say and in doing the things that you know you need to do even when you don't want to do them yeah um, because it, it just becomes second nature then at that point. That's that sort of transcends transcends football though too, right? I mean, in life, if you've got a job and you want to be successful, stuff you just talked about is all the things that people will do, you know, regardless of what occupation they are, right? If you want to be yeah. the best, you got to put in the time. You, know? you got to do what the best do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now you're in BC. You yeah. uh, you got picked up as a free agent. Correct. And- what does it feel like coming home? Oh, it's, it's so exciting. Um, honestly, it still is, it slowly kind of hits me in waves. Um, at first it didn't, it didn't really feel entirely real, but now that I'm, you know, spending more time at the practice facility, watching film and, and working out with some of the guys and just, uh, you know, getting messages from, from people that I grew up with and, it's 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 amazing. Very cool. Do you have uh, do you have some friends coming out to practice and watching you practice now? Do you, your dad and your mom do they come out and watch you practice? Uh, no, I mean uh, training camp will be middle of May. Right. Um, so right now it's just kind of again sticking to my off season process of, of training. Yeah. With, with the guys. Are you guys doing some? Are you doing some field work right now with the facility, like out there? At, out yeah, Missouri? yeah. It's just it's just getting started now. Cool. Yeah. So, gotta ask you. So, 
What's it going to be like when BC suits up against uh, Winnipeg? How's that going to play on you? Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll say, I'll say, fun's the first thing that comes to mind. I love all those guys. You know, there was not a lot of roster turnover in my years in Winnipeg, so um, all the guys on that team have, have truly become uh, brothers to me. So I'm going to try and, uh, you know, see as many of them pregame as I can. Yeah. That way, you know, during the game I'm locked in. But uh, I've been going against a lot of those guys in practice only for, you know, six years now. So to actually, you know, we've always had talks about, oh, in a game you would kick my ass or vice versa kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. now we actually get to test that. So that'll yeah. be fun. Is there one of the guys on the team that you're looking forward to playing against more than any others? Uh, Jake Thomas. Yeah. He's a D tackle. He's the longest serving bomber. I think he's going on year 12 yeah. now. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he would tend to unleash a little bull rush on me probably once a week when I was in Winnipeg and he's got a very strong bull rush. Yeah. And so when, when I, when I signed, he was one of the first people to text me and said, can't wait to, can't wait to bull rush you in a game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I look, I look forward to that. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to BC, right? Your friends exactly. are coming back over. Awesome. Yeah. So I've got a lot, like I coach high school football. You know that obviously you've been very generous with your time. You've come to school and talked to the kids. If you had to give some of the boys that I'm coaching, some of the young adults that are, are playing football at the high school level. And I know you've been, again, you've been really successful. What's some of the advice that you could give them about, you know, moving forward in life and stuff and some of the stuff that you did? What could you talk to them about? Um, take the things that you've learned from the game of football with you off the field. Um, you know, just like I said, the, um, the motivation that you get from, from each other, working together towards a common goal. Um, things like that. The discipline really is, is probably the biggest one and whatever you do football or not, um, will take you, will take you far when it comes to, you know, success on the team for your high school career or university or whatever to me is, is get as close as you can with the guys that you play with. Um, because that'll make all the difference when it comes down to, you know, tough situations, uh, difficult games kind of thing. When you know you can lean on the person beside you because you guys have put the work in together. You've had meals together. You'll work out together. The more you do all those things, the further it's going to take you. Um, another quote from, from Mike O'Shea that, that he would say, and we had a big auditorium when we'd have team meetings, he says, all the motivation you need is sitting right beside you. And I found that very powerful because, you know, everybody is on the team, you know, working towards the same goal. And there's, if everybody's, um, you know, drilled into the same, the same stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. That's great. That's uh, that's, that's great advice. I've not heard that one before, but that is powerful. That's so yeah. true, right? It's the, yeah. it's the men that are, are right beside you. And those are the ones you have to count on, your brothers. Yeah. So, so at one point, when you leave the game of football, what would you like to do? Any ideas? Or I know it's, you've got lots of time left, but anything that's a passion for you moving forward? Yeah, right now, actually, you know, over COVID, um, I was kind of left. You know, there was talks of, of 
the CFL's future kind of being up in the air. So it kind of gave me a, a kick of, uh, you know, reality of what I should be working towards after playing. Unfortunately, I can't play football until I'm 60, but, um, yeah, right. Um, I went down to Texas actually, uh, last April and got certified, uh, to be a firefighter. So the CFL does, a, has a, a partnership with a, a training school down there. So I'm, I'm currently working, um, my way to becoming a firefighter when I'm done. That's awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome career. When you think about the transition from football, I mean, it's again, the whole thing about brotherhood and about, you know, moving forward and wow. Exactly. Yeah. And I've heard there's, it's, it's a rather common, um, career path for, for CFL guys. Yeah. I know a number of guys that are, that are, have been hired on and every guy I talk to says they absolutely love the job. So, and then it's, yeah, it's, it's like, just as you said, it's the closest thing to a football locker room or a sports locker room that you can get. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know what? I, I completely get that. I think it's funny as old as I am, you know, I'm going to be 65. The thing that I miss, I mean, I miss things on the field, obviously, right? You miss that part of the game. It never really leaves you. But the thing that I miss the most was the relationships I had with my teammates. And you just said it best, right? The guys that are right beside you. Yeah. And those bonds. Yeah. Those bonds last forever. Exactly. This has been awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. You've got lots going on. You know what? Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you're going to have an outstanding career. Going to be thrilled to watch you play. And, uh, All the best this season, Michael. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. You take care. Okay. I'll see you around. I'd like to thank Michael once again for his insight and and his words. And there's some great stuff in our conversations. And, you know, once again, it, it comes back to the importance of sport, education, and relationships. And how, you know, those lessons learned on the fields, the gyms, the hockey rinks, and in the classrooms can help young adults in their lives moving forward. And I know Michael will continue to be successful on that football field, especially this season with the Lions. But the truth is, with the lessons he's learned along the way and the content of his character, he'll be successful in whatever he does. This is Dave Ruzicki with Nathan Rivers. Thanks so much for joining us. Till we meet again, please take care, be well, and as always, peace.